0: Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. In this episode of Overcoming Emotional Eating, I actually provide the definition of what emotional eating is. Take a listen. Enjoy. 86% of individuals who have been on more than one diet have some facet of emotional overeating. So if these calls apply to you and you're learning from them, know that you're not alone know that there are a large majority a lot of people who have issues with emotion and food and the link and connection between the two and again there are varying degrees of that but on these calls we're talking about any emotional connection to food tonight in particular i'm talking about emotions in general and how they relate to your food i know that in working in this field for as long as i have and one of the things I've been teaching clients for forever is that emotions are not emergencies. And I know that they may feel that way sometimes, but the truth of it is we know that emotions can be thought through, can be felt, can be acted upon or not acted upon. And it's the learning and the growth that comes around Understanding your emotions and then which particular emotions are connected for you to your eating and what types of eating and where does that happen. And the more you know about yourself with respect to this, as well as other things in your life, the more powerful you become. The fantastic quote I found you are more powerful than you know, and they fear the day you discover it. My hope in doing these calls and in doing the work that I've done for the last 23 years is I want to make every woman and man out there who struggles with any facet of emotional eating and wants to transform it that you become as powerful as I know your potential is. So let's help you understand more about emotions and emotional eating and let's dive into that. Emotions and emotional eating can be a primal connection. There's a facet of eating that will be connected to our emotions or um, our amygdala or our mid part of our brain. And that's simply because of the long-standing connection that we have for, uh, let's just say, for nurturance, for babies, they're hungry, they cry, they get snuggled in and they might get nursed uh, or have a bottle if that's the way that the parents decide to do that. But in that snuggle, there is nurturing, connection, love, and food. So at a very young age, we do develop an emotional connection with food. Where it goes awry is when all emotions lead to food, or one emotion always leads to food. So for example, if a person only finds nurturance in their food and in no other way, it can uh, increase the intensity of your connection with food. Or if uh, an individual wants to repress their emotions and doesn't want to feel them, that's in fact where the intensity and the need to eat becomes more. When we look at emotions in general, as a country, we tend to feel an emotion and wanna get rid of it. I'm gonna encourage you as you're learning how to do this work, is you gotta hang in there with your emotions, and I'm gonna teach you some strategies, and techniques tonight that will help you understand a little bit more to do with your emotions and your eating. But first, I wanted to give you the basics between hunger There are two types of hunger. There's physical hunger and there's emotional hunger. And there are some real specifics between one or the other, and I wanted to list them for you so you can hear the difference because I do think when we get caught up in, you know, eating emotionally, that it gets hard to decipher, am I eating emotionally right now? Am I not emotionally eating right now? So if we look at hunger, hunger is physical right hunger being physical the hunger comes on gradually the hunger can be open to all different foods so what that means is, if you have a physical hunger you're not going to care if you're eating a burger you're eating a salad you're eating a pizza you know eating an apple it's just quelling the hunger physical hunger is based in the stomach stomach is right up underneath your ribs just so everybody has a good idea as to where the stomach is. So that's where stomach is growling, right? Physical hunger is patient. What I mean by that is physical hunger, if it's truly only physical, you can go, okay, I'm gonna get some food, I'm gonna get some food, right? Unless you get to a point of low blood sugar, which is a whole other level, but physical hunger occurs out of a physical need. Physical hunger involves deliberate choices and awareness of eating. Physical hunger stops when it is full. And physical hunger realizes eating is necessary or needed. Now, this is distinctly different than emotional hunger. Emotional hunger is sudden. Emotional hunger is usually for a specific food. Some people would call this a craving. So it could be, uh, I'm just I'm needing chocolate, I'm needing ice cream, I'm needing a donut, or I'm needing some pasta. So emotional hunger is usually for a specific food. Emotional hunger occurs above the neck. What I mean by that, in physical hunger, you will actually feel your stomach rumbling. Sometimes you can feel a gnawing at it and aching at it. Emotional hunger, things that I've heard in the past, I just needed the taste of it. I just wanted to feel it on my tongue. I just needed it, or I just kept thinking about that food. So emotional hunger occurs above the neck. Emotional hunger is urgent. Emotional hunger is paired with an emotion. Emotional hunger involves automatic or absent-minded eating. What I mean by that is the eating that occurs in emotional eating can be very quick, monotone and doesn't you know there isn't a lot of presence while you're eating that food. Emotional hunger doesn't stop when it's full and emotional hunger feels shame afterwards during or before. So I thought that was a really great definition between each type of hunger so you can really begin to get a sense of is your eating emotional or is it is it physical that you can begin to decipher between the two. Now, when I look at emotional eating, in general, I like to break it down to three different distinct types of emotional eating that I've worked with clients around for the last number of years. Now, in that, what I wanna let you know is you can classify or categorize them in any way that's important or appropriate for you. I just classify them in this way because it allows you to get an organized structure to emotional eating Um, if another structure works for you then albeit use it so if i look at the top three reasons why emotional eating occurs the first reason being um, what i call emotional repression reasons so emotional repression reasons this is where somebody feels an emotion and wants to repress it wants to keep it down wants to not feel it tends to typically happen with the lower energy emotions such as shame loneliness sadness guilt emotional repression emotions again shame loneliness sadness guilt lower energy emotions what i mean by that is they don't have a lot of energy to them they feel bad and that's why people want to repress them. Now, what we know about all emotions, except fear, which I'll explain subsequently in just a minute, but what we know about all emotions is, emotions are like waves, and that's why they're not emotions, uh, emergencies. Emotions can come on and come on and come on like a wave does, right? gradually rising, gradually, 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 and then you hit a peak, or a pinnacle on the other side of that pinnacle the wave breaks and it begins to relax and release what so often happens is we don't ride the wave we don't surf our emotions we try to jump off the wave as it's climbing or when it gets to the peak and when you don't get used to riding the wave of the emotion it gets harder to hard and harder to hang on to your support. If you hang in there with an emotion, it will. It may be five minutes, it may be 25 minutes, but it will eventually crash on the other side and get easier and easier. The emotion on its own, naturally, will come through to the other side. Similar to if you've ever experienced a child having a temper tantrum, right? You can see them coming on. For those of you out there that are parents or grandparents or both, can see that tantrum coming on. It escalates, escalates, escalates. If we don't jump in and fix it before it happens, and you allow the child to escalate that tantrum, it will go to a peak. But they cannot sustain that peak. It will come on to the other side. Is it hard to watch this happen? Absolutely. But it's the natural progression of an emotion, and if we allow ourselves to learn to ride out those internal tantrums and come to the other side we essentially eventually don't have to go through them as long or as much because we get used to surfing so to speak so with emotional repression reasons loneliness sadness guilt shame one of the first things you have to learn to do is ride the wave in my office what I've had clients do for years is either make a mountain or make a wave and start to train themselves and they get in that emotion, okay, here's where, mark where you are on that wave cresting. Mark where you are on that mountain building, depending on which metaphor works better for you. I like waves because I like surfing. I like hiking too, but I'm more of a pro surfer beach person. So I use waves and I like that analogy. If, If the metaphor of mountain works for you, use that. Mark where you are on the wave. Mark where you are on the mountain. Get a sense of where that is. Instead of repressing it by eating, start to allow yourself to acknowledge the feeling and meet the need. So, if you're feeling lonely, can you reach out and connect with someone? If you're feeling sad, what about crying? Right. Get allow the emotional need to be met. If you're sitting in shame. Worst feeling, probably out of all of these, is shame. And start to get that, that's a whole other fix in itself. Read Shame and Guilt by Mendleton Moss, uh, M O Z E, Mendleton M O Z E, one of the best books ever written in, in my library uh, over the last 25 years on shame and guilt by far. And get a sense of why you keep shaming yourself because shame is a very difficult emotion to get out of. With shame, however, you will ride an emotional wave too and you'll get to the peak. Sometimes the peak can be overwhelming with pain in that what you can do and what you can give yourself is nurturance. That's what most people need who are stuck in shame. They need some comfort, love, support, and nurturance. So it might be that you wrap yourself up in a warm blanket because it feels like a nice hug. It could be that you ask for a hug from someone that's around you. It could be that you do something else for yourself that gives you nurturance that doesn't have to do with food. So one, ride the wave, two, meet the need, and three, get some facet of connection and nurturance when you have an emotional repression reason, okay? Second type of reason that emotional eating can take place is because of restricted rebellion emotions. okay? And how I look at these, things like anger, frustration, those two emotions, whether it's anger at yourself or anger at someone else. Frustration with yourself, frustration with somebody else, irritability, those are restricted rebellion emotions. And so with those, again, you wanna ride the wave. Figure out where you are on that wave. Begin to meet the need. And in this sense, with restricted rebellion emotions, how you would meet the need realistically is just by acknowledging that you're angry. Hey, I'm really angry because X, Y, and Z. I feel angry because of whatever that is. And then you need a release. These are high energy emotions. These emotions need a release. They don't necessarily go away on their own. So low energy emotions, you need to meet the need, ride the wave, meet the need, and connect and nurture. Restricted rebellion, anger, frustration, you need to ride the wave, meet the need just by hearing the emotion, and then you need a release. Now, that could be singing, could be dancing, could be yelling, could be rolling around on the ground, but it needs some physical release. So often I'll find that a client's really, really angry about something, and they're trying to sit with the emotion trying to learn how to ride the wave and they sit down with the book and read and so inevitably they turn to food and 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 this has happened, happened a number of times in my in my practices so i'll say to them okay so you did a great job riding the wave you acknowledged what the emotion was and you met the need i'm angry because but where was your release reading a book watching tv not releases for high-energy emotions. You've got to move, sing, yell, dance, release the energy that that emotion holds because what food does for these kind of emotions is that eating capacity and that movement that happens in eating is the movement that actually releases the emotion. You've got to find other movements. To do that, you can't repress these emotions. You can't read with them, distract with them, um, watch TV with them. Third type of reason or emotional reason that I see people eat with is a whole different category, and I call it the fear-based eating reason. Now, when we are in fear, which can spiral into anxiety, or our anxiety spirals into feel it fear, it moves us primarily moves us into our primal brain, and has us searching around for comfort. And that's why it locates food, because of that early primal recognition that I just told you about at the beginning of the call. You know you're in fear or anxiety if all the statements that you're making internally are what if. What if I am not good enough? What if I can't do it? What if I do it again? What if she says this? What if he does that? Whatever you say, what if you're in fear or anxiety. That goes primal. So one thing you can do with that, you don't necessarily want to ride this wave. Fear and anxiety actually escalate and have a really difficult time crashing without intervention. So with fear or anxiety, the best thing you can do is begin to go to your front cortex. And what I have people do is to write down their what if write down what's going on in your brain what if she hates me what if he thinks i'm crazy what if i do that again what if i crash the car whatever the what i saw write them down then draw a line to what's so and behind that what i mean is what's the truth okay begin to come cognitive with your brain you need to go to what's truth because fear will have you spiral off into no man's land you've got to get into what's the truth so You go from what if, write down all the what ifs that are going on in your brain, then right next to it, you're going to write down the what, so, or the truth, or the reality, okay? Well, I don't really know if she's not going to like me, or he's never really said, you know, he's mad. Write down the truth. Could they really do this? Is it really true that they're doing that? Get a sense of the truth, and then decide if you can then say, so what? Ultimately, you want to go to your front brain and write down more of the truth than the fear and begin to try to sit in the truth. Now, at that point in time, there's some internal conflict that goes back and forth between the fear and the truth and the fear and the truth, but you can then sit with that a little bit and ride that wave because that's a whole lot easier to ride. And when you know it's fear or you know it's anxiety, There is some energy there, too, like I mentioned with anger and frustration. So you do know that you can't sit and read. You can't sit and watch TV. You can't be sedentary with that kind of emotion either. You've got to write. If you're a drawer and you like to draw, draw it. Draw the truth. What's the reality behind the fear? If you want to draw, draw. If you want to write, write. If you want to create something else, create something else. If you want to go out and garden, garden. Get yourself outside. Fear and anxiety are really helped by being outdoors and not indoors. Write down the truth and go take the truth outside with you if you can. So you can see, if you can think and feel and know the emotions that you're eating with, you can use these strategies for these different type of emotions and ultimately then overcome your connection to emotional eating and your specific ways that you want to work through that, depending on the emotion. Do help that tonight's been really beneficial, or today, depending on the time of day that you're listening to me. It's very important to understand that your emotions are not emergencies. If we all learn to surf those waves of our emotions, come out the other side without repressing, or distracting, or succumbing, we'd all be in a better place on the other end, without food. I will be back on live next week, and I do look forward to hearing you all at that point in time. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. I encourage everyone who's heard this call to take Aristotle's words and put them to the test. Begin more and more to know yourself as we go through this series. Journal on this, understand yourself. It really is the beginning of all wisdom, and ultimately to your greatness and success. Take good care, everyone. Have a beautiful Thursday, Friday, whenever you're listening to this on the replay. And I look forward to hearing you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.